Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Feudal Future Podcast. I'm Marshall Toplansky. I'm Joel Kotkin. And today, we're, we're calling, Joel, we're going to call this the zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> we have with us today uh, Jeff Jones uh, from Gallup. Uh, Jeff is a senior editor and has been a senior editor there for their their public uh, release surveys since uh, 2000. Jeff, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, our last guest, uh, Dr. Jim Doty, is a well-known economist and gave us the quantitative view of the economy and where things are going. But today we wanted to focus in on kind of a more qualitative view of what's going on out there, what are people feeling like, uh, and how that might reflect the future of both society and the economy. Joel, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, this is a very strange economy in that it has high inflation, low unemployment, um, and all these external factors. What do you what what's the public mood? What's the mood of the the consumer in in what you're looking at? Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the kind of strange nature of the economy we have. And I think it's good because when we ask people how they evaluate the economy, they net it out pretty negatively. So some good, some bad, but on balance, they're quite negative. In fact, they haven't been this negative since the very end of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. So our economic confidence index in June, it was negative 58. That was the worst we had measured since February of 2009, which you know at that time, those were the record low um, numbers that we had ever recorded. Well, just um, just for context, that index. Mm-hmm. just for context sake, what does that negative fifty eight mean? What's what's the upside? How good can it get? So that measure it has a theoretical range. I don't know that we'd ever reach you know the top and bottom of the range, but it can range from negative one hundred at the lowest to plus one hundred at the at the highest and um basically we summarize people's opinions on two questions the first is an evaluation of current economic conditions and the second is their assessment of whether um the economy is getting better or worse so we kind of summarize between those two um the lowest i don't have the exact figure but probably during the great recession maybe it was a negative 80 so that's kind of the bottom the top hasn't gotten that high we were before COVID hit, I think we're at plus 41. So that was the highest we had been since 2000. So I think the record high might've been like plus in the fifties or or sixties on on the positive. And so negative 58, you know, definitely bad. That's not our latest update. That was from June to July. It was negative 51. So it was slightly better, but still that would also be the worst since um, 2009. Well, when you peel it back and you kind of look at the constituent parts of what makes it negative or positive, what is it that people are really honing in on that makes it as negative as it is? Um, It's definitely inflation um, far and away. So we know that because we have another question that we ask every month. It's asking people to say what the most important problem facing the country is. And inflation is definitely right at the top there. The other top issue that people mentioned is the government that's been kind of there for a while now, but inflation has really emerged um, this year, especially, Um, you know, for many years, given where inflation was, hardly anybody would mention inflation as the most important problem. Most months we get 1% or less 
Um, now we're 17, 18 in the last few months. That's the highest mentioning inflation <clears throat> since 1982. It, that was the last time it was higher on that measure. So it's something we haven't seen in a long time. That's the question that asked about the most important problem facing the country. We have a similar question that asked people <clears throat> the most important problem facing their family and their family's finances. And not surprising, inflation is the number one there as well. We had 32% mentioning that um, this year when we asked that question, that was the highest we've ever measured um, for that. So clearly inflation you know, is, is driving this. Are, are there particular groups uh, by age, sex, race, part of the country that are showing this more than others? There are. Um, one thing that we look at, and it's a little bit surprising, is we don't see much difference by income. Hmm. So lower income, higher income are about equally likely to mention inflation as the top problem. Where we really see a difference, and this might not be surprising, is political. And it's probably given the messages that people are are getting, you know, obviously their partisanship will color how they view conditions in the country to some extent. So Republicans, you know, a lot more likely to mention inflation than than Democrats are. Hmm. Are there particular government policies or concerns that people voice? besides um, the ability or inability to control inflation? Um, in terms of the most important problem? Yeah. You mean? Um, that's kind of the biggest one we get um, more so in recent years. I mean, certainly not to level of inflation is, you know, race relations is a, is a problem that people often mention, healthcare, immigration. Um, you know, those typically, you know, we get a decent, number of people mentioning those, but it's certainly not, you know, at the high end where inflation is and, and the government that's kind of, like I mentioned, a kind of a chronic complaint, the government over the last decade or so, it's always kind of ranked as one of the top problems. I'm, sure, oh, I'm sorry. Well, the, the question I had is, I'm sure you do a lot of regression analysis on the, you know, the indicator value of your metric uh, with actual real world economic data. Um, have you done that work and, and how closely tied is this metric to what actually happens in the economy? Yeah, we haven't done a lot ourselves. We, we've done some in the past, not real recent. Um, typically, what we found is it you know, has maybe a small contribution to what happens in the economy. I think a lot of what we're picking up is people's kind of just, you know, they they kind of see what's going on. You know, if unemployment is high, if inflation is high, if gas prices are high, if the economy is in a recession, they kind of pick that up. So we kind of think about consumer confidence as maybe a leading indicator, but it may be more of kind of a, like a trailing indicator as well, just kind of reflecting what's going on in the economy. So if you look at other factors that kind of move the economy, consumer confidence usually isn't that strong. I think, you know, and this is maybe the way people think about it is kind of, it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If people think the economy is getting worse, maybe they're going to pull back on spending. Right. They pull back on spending, economic growth goes down, you know, suddenly we're in a recession. So, you know, that that's one thing where I think it could matter. But, you know, as far as like, 
the analysis of the measure, it doesn't, you know, seem to be that predictive necessarily. Um, the way we see it, we kind of just like to take a pulse on where people are and kind of document, you know, what people think about the economy. And that allows us to do these kind of historical comparisons to see, you know, where people are now and how that compares to the past. So that's kind of our, our main interest in it, um, you know, just kind of measuring what people think and, and reporting on that. One of the things I also I notice in your polls is the incredibly low level of trust in government. I mean, this and in major institutions, universities, um, uh, you know, the media um, has that been trending for a long time. And, and, and what do you think the implications of that are? Yeah, it's, it's been going on for a while. I mean, a lot of people kind of maybe point to. Donald Trump and his administration, but it, it definitely precedes that. I, I would probably pinpoint it back to maybe the second um, Bush term, where mm-hmm. we had obviously the Iraq War, we had Katrina. Um, you know, there are other issues that the Bush administration was kind of struggling to handle. So we go back to like 2005, and that's kind of when we started to see a, a real decline in trust in the government and key U.S. institutions. It's kind of persisted you know, since then, um, we haven't seen too much movement in a positive direction. I, I would say the most we saw was kind of tied to, to COVID it kind of like, you know, this crisis was happening in the country and, you know, people were starting to rally around certain institutions that were affected by COVID healthcare system, small business, that sort of thing. So there was kind of more like idiosyncratic, but that was, you know, the kind of thing that could, kind of reverse the decline um, that we're seeing. So we've just kind of been stuck here for a while. I think the economy plays into that as well. Um, you know, if the economy is not doing well, people, you know, are, are just more negative on, you know, a lot of things, including, you know, their belief in um, institutions. Um, yes, about the implications of that. Um you know, I think it's one of the reasons that George Gallup started measuring confidence in institutions back in the 70s, because it, it's so important in a democracy, because the government isn't responsible for doing everything in society. We rely on a lot of institutions, government and non-governmental, to kind of, you know, keep the country going, keep people safe, um, make sure everybody is is kind of having their interests looked out for. And, you know, without that kind of confidence. It's, you know, just, just hard to have a, a healthy democracy. I mean, we certainly, you know, one specific institution we talk about is the media and trust in the media is so low, but the media plays such an important role in the democracy in informing people um, and, you know, people not being able to trust what the media is saying, you know, it, it certainly, um, you know, has kind of serious implications for our democracy. Is that unprecedented or is that something that's just been building up over time? Um, Yeah, I would say it's been building up, but, you know, in the last few years, we've hit lows. I think 2016 was a low point. 2014, 2016, those were kind of years where we hit low points. We have different measures of trust and confidence. um, And and those were kind of the years where we kind of bottomed out. So we're not quite as low as we were then, but we're certainly lower than we were, say, you know, in the 1990s and 1980s on a lot of these things. And, um, 
you know, like I said, we haven't seen much kind of indication that those trends are reversing, really. Are you seeing this polarity trend in the polls that you do? Like, it, it just seems that society is splitting itself into polar, you know, nodes. And that, mm-hmm. you know, some people think that, that things are really great. Some people think that it's really awful. I mean, how do you deal with that as a pollster? And are you even noticing that? Yeah, we definitely notice it in a lot of places. Um, the most obvious for us, because we study it so much, is presidential approval ratings. So if you, his, historically, there's always been a gap. You know, Republicans are more positive about Republican presidents and less positive about Democrats. And, you know, same with Democrats and Democratic presidents versus Republican presidents. But what we're seeing now, the just the split between how parties um you know, evaluate the president are so stark, you know, we're talking about with one group, maybe in the single digit approval and the other group, you know, 80, 90% approval. So what's, what's different now, though, people have always been supportive of a president of their own party. So to see, you know, Democrats with 80, 90% approval of Biden or, or Republicans with those same approval of Trump is not different. But what's different is on the other end, whereas, you know, if you go back to the 1980s, you might have had 30% of Democrats approving of the job Reagan was doing. And if you go even further back, you know, Eisenhower, maybe 40 or 50% of Democrats were approving of Eisenhower. Now, you know, when Trump comes in day one, it's like 10% approval among um, Democrats. Biden comes in day one, 10% approval among Republicans. So it's just kind of the other side that has really kind of kind of cause this, um, as you said, like this polarity, we call it polarization to happen. I would say when we talk about the economy, since that's, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, we do see that as well. But in our studying of it, you know, party only goes so far in how people evaluate the economy. So right now, Democrats, they're not denying that there are problems with the economy. You know, I think, um, just checking, like the last poll, 30% of Democrats said the economy was getting better and 63% getting worse. So they're not oh. really denying the reality here, but certainly Republicans are much more negative about the economy than um, Democrats are. So that's kind of an important point I like to make. If you look at just how the parties rate it, you would assume that this is all partisanship. But when you look at the trends over time by party, you see the lines kind of moving up and down. So there's always a party gap, but you know, it's if the economy is good, both parties groups will move up and rate the economy better. If the economy is bad, both groups will move down and rate it worse. So, you know, the 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 partisanship is kind of checked by reality, you know, to a large degree here. So, you know, the economy is one where, you know, it's not just fully party driven, you know, the kind of the real world and what's going on, what people are experiencing, that kind of plays into it as well. How fickle are these numbers? So, you know, in the sense of like in the last uh, month or so, we've seen gasoline prices go down significantly. Um, And historically, that's been a a big indicator of people's mood about inflation. Mm -hmm. Are we likely to expect to see uh, a big swing up in in you know, or or down in in the how people rate inflation as an important factor in the economy. Is it is it that sensitive, that fickle, or is it something that that these confidence numbers just kind of endure? 
Um, I would say probably more that it would be enduring, but you know, I mentioned that our July numbers were slightly better than our June numbers. So I think that could be tied to gas prices starting to ease. When we get our August data, we might even see kind of more of an easing. But when you look at some of these over time, it takes a while for people to kind of change their opinion about the economy. So, you know, 91, 92 recession, it wasn't really until 96 where people started to say, hey, the economy is pretty good here. And the same thing with, um, you know, uh, the Great Recession. It was probably 2012 before people started to think, hey, you know, maybe the economy isn't as bad as we thought. I mean, I think in both instances, that could have been tied to the presidential election year and people kind of being forced to, you know, evaluate things closely, you know, because they have to make a decision about, you know, whether to reelect an incumbent president. So, um, you know, that could force it, but it, it definitely, takes a long time. It's not something that certainly happens overnight. And even with inflation, it wasn't until last fall where we started to see mentions of inflation as the most important problem pick up, you know, and then by, you know, after a lot of news coverage of it, by the time you get to the beginning of this year, that's when it was kind of rising to the top problem um, that people were mentioning. You know, seeing, um, go ahead, Joel. Are you seeing similar things? I mean, you do international uh, polling up are, are people in other countries experiencing the same polarization and alienation or are, are some countries doing better, some worse? Yeah, I'm certainly not the expert on our international data, but I do know that, you know, in, in some of the confidence measures that we um, measure internationally, things, you know, don't look much better than they do in the U.S. Certainly, you know, in some countries they are quite a bit worse than what we see in the U.S., even though the U.S. is kind of on the low end. I mean, there's countries where, you know, confidence institution is much worse than it is, is here. And, you know, I'm sure there's some that are. Who's know, on the high end? I mean, I'm sure China, they get very high ratings. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Ukraine is really way up there right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as familiar with the uh, the international data to confidently answer that question. I, I know we've done some polling in Afghanistan and that was one of the ones on the low end. So that's not surprising, but on the high end, um, I'm not quite as sure off the top of my head what those well, let me Let be. me ask you a quick methodology question because I'm sure our listeners kind of wonder about this stuff. Gallup is considered to be the gold standard in quantitative marketing research. Mm-hmm. How many people do you have to interview in uh, and have them respond to your questionnaire in order to be able to get the kind of accuracy that you get with your with your work. Yeah, we typically will interview a thousand people for our survey, and we've been doing that for a while. So that'll give you a margin of sampling error of you know three four percent. Um, typically, it's been four now since you know we've kind of introduced cell phones that kind of affected the methodology a little bit. But um, yeah, that's good. And sometimes we'll do less and the numbers are pretty stable. We're, you know, oftentimes surprised at how stable um, these numbers are, Um, you know, just it comes down to the power of like random sampling and you just, you know, have a sample that gives everybody in the country a chance to be in the survey and um, just kind of stick to those rigorous methods and you find that you know when when things you know for the most part attitudes are pretty stable 
Um, but you know, we do find changes. And when we see changes, a lot of times they make a lot of sense given what's going on in the real world. So um, we what, have a lot of it? confidence in it. And, uh, you know, just, it's just, I've, I've heard some people, and maybe it was my old boss, just the miracle of, you know, random sampling and, you know, being able to do this and just how, you know, accurate it, it tends to be. What what have been the biggest changes that you've noticed in the last few years, you know, in terms of people's attitudes? Uh... Yeah. Um, so are you talking like substantively? Yeah. I mean, how, how have people changed? I mean, obviously your polling has to be mm-hmm. different now because, you know, you have to reflect a much larger Hispanic and Asian population, mm-hmm. for instance, a much bigger elderly population. Yeah, we've seen some pretty big shifts. Um, in the last few years, a lot of them have to do with moral values issues. Mm. So, um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a moral values issue, but, um, support for same sex marriage. Um, we started asking about that in the nineties and you had about 25% who were in favor of it. And even as recently as 2004, you had a majority opposed and now we've got 70% in favor of same-sex marriage. So that's a big one. Another big one that we've seen is support for legal marijuana, which I think when we first asked about it, um, it might've been in the single digits. Wow. And now we've got, I think about two thirds um, who are in favor of it. A lot of that I think is tied to like generational change. Just, you know, the younger generations coming through are, more liberal, I guess, for lack of a better word, than the older generations that they're replacing. So you see that reflected in a lot of the things that we measure. But some of it, you know, I think this applies to same-sex marriage as well, just changing kind of societal mores, um, you know, and just the way people are kind of thinking about issues differently. So a lot of on those kind of moral values issues, we've seen a lot of change certainly in, um, I guess it's somewhat related to this, just um, religious behavior, it's, you know, declined so much um, compared to, um, you know, what was, what Gallup was measuring even just like two decades ago in terms of people, you know, having a religious preference attending religious service, belonging to uh, a religious institution has just really fallen. And it's really being driven by these um, younger generations who just aren't very um, religious um, at all. So those are the thing. And we also talked to about the trust in institutions. That's one that, you know, we've been measuring for a long time and uh, you know, definitely things are different now than they used to be. Do you talk uh, or question about, the impact of social media on people's lives? Um, we, have, we haven't done too much um, with that. I've been involved in maybe a couple um, public release projects for clients that that touched on that. Certainly that's more common among younger people. People tend to have a negative view of it, especially when we get into, like, as we did in these projects, like, social media as a news source people are very negative about what they see on social media even though you know a lot of people use it as a news source but they just don't trust it and we talked about lack of trust in the news media well lack of trust in uh news that people see on social media is even worse so um you know that's kind of the the main things that we've done with social media i think well if we were um ask you you know 
what would be the trends that you think are the ones to watch in the next year or so? What what would be the things that 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 you know come to mind for you? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I, I think you know we want to continue monitoring like confidence in institutions. That's very important. Um, I think um, politically. Um, we we really don't see as much change in presidential job approval as we used to. That's always something that we've kept a close eye on. But we do know that um, presidential approval and indicators of the mood of the nation, such as the economy, such as satisfaction with the way things are going, those tend to be very good predictors of election outcomes. So in the past, where we used to ask people who you're going to vote for and kind of come up with a likely voter model and use that as prediction. Um, you can do pretty good just kind of saying, okay, what's the president's approval rating? How satisfied are people with the way things are going? What's party ID looking like in in the country? Because that, you know, definitely moves um, depending on, you know, how things are going in the country. So those are, you know, some of the core things that we track and, you know, just a lot of these generational changes that, um, I've talked about, um, you know, it's kind of driving a lot of the change we're seeing in in the aggregate, kind of trying to keep an eye on Gen Z because some of them have reached adulthood, but a lot of them haven't. So interested to see how the portion of Gen Z that hasn't reached adulthood, how they're going to look when they do reach adulthood, what their, you know, political views are going to be like, what their... Um, you know, religious behaviors are going to be like, are they going to be trusting in institutions or not? So, you know, that's something we're definitely kind of monitoring too. And what about the data itself? Is there a trend line emerging? If we were to, following on Joel's question, if we were to look at, say, the next year, would you expect that you would see an improvement in um, people's, uh, you know, uh, optimism about the economy or pessimism about the economy? Is there a trend line emerging? Um, I think it's really going to be tied to what happens. I think if inflation eases and, you know, certainly gas prices, gas prices is such an important thing, I think, for people's evaluations of the economy because it kind of hits them right in the face, right? Unemployment, if you lose a job, obviously that's a big deal. But, you know, if you keep working, but unemployment is high, the unemployment doesn't affect you as much. Same with economic growth. That's like so remote from people, but gas prices, you know, and inflation too, you go to the grocery store, you're paying more. That's a big, you know, hard to escape that. So I think if, you know, it, a lot of it's going to be tied to what happens. So if inflation eases, I think people will become more optimistic. Certainly we talked about um, good things in the economy are, you know, people's evaluation of the job market now that's near record highs, 71%. Last time we asked it said it was a good time to find a quality job. The all-time high is 74. So we're near the high there. Um, you know, economic growth, you know, we've had some periods in the last couple of years where it was strong and others where it week, including the last two um, quarters. So yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, is kind of fascinating. We talked about like, you know, polling and random sampling and that sort of thing. But one of the other thing that sticks out to me is kind of people pay attention to what's going on. And then we see the movements. So, you know, I think ultimately with the economic trends, it's going to be driven by, 
you know, how the economy is doing. We did talk too about how these tend to be enduring, but, you know, I think inflation is such a strong signal that, you know, if there's dramatic changes in there, we'll see that movement quicker than, you know, if, you know, people are evaluating the economy based on economic growth or, or something else that's kind of more remote. Yeah. Well, and given the impact of, of um, inflation on people's attitudes, I suspect that, you know, where we are today, which is basically early September 2022, um, if things get better in the next couple of months, it could have some serious political implications coming up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we have a couple recent examples. Um, 1994 and uh, 2010, it looked very bad for Clinton and Obama to get reelected. And two years later, you know, Clinton won easily and Obama won relatively easily. So two years is not a long time in politics to to turn things around. And we've seen the opposite too. George W. Bush, you know, 1991, he was flying high. And then, you know, 18 months later, he's being kicked out of office. So, you know, things can change really quickly. So, I mean, it certainly looks like this year is going to be a better year for Republicans, but, you know, 2024 could be very different than 2022. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you. This is very helpful information. And and I think our guests will probably come away thinking it's a toss up. You know, it all yeah. kind of depends on it all kind of depends on uh, inflation and some of these other economic uh, underlying trends. But thank you very much for the work that you do. And thank you for having been a guest on the Feudal Future podcast. Sure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, Jeff.